0: You're listening to a podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. This is week one of our Identity Series. We hope that this message encourages you to grow deeper in your understanding of who you are through the eyes of Jesus.
1: As Tim said, we're starting a new series today called Identity. Uh, We're going to be in the book of Ephesians for the next six weeks. And I think this is a really important series because our identity It shapes the way that we live. It determines the story of our lives. You know, our identity is our self-understanding. It's our understanding of who we are at the core. It's where we find our sense of value, our meaning, our purpose, our identity. It actually determines the shape of our lives, the story of our lives and we live in a culture today that actually says you can choose your own identity and you can change your identity and so we we say things like you've got to find your authentic self or you can be whoever you want to be or you be you and I'll be me. It's actually become one of the very few moral absolutes in our culture today, that we've got to let everyone be themselves. We've got to help everybody find their authentic selves. And it actually sounds great. It sounds like a good thing. To be honest, we've we've kind of swallowed it in the church, hook, line and sinker. It sounds great. The, The problem is, if you choose your identity and you can change your identity... And we all find our identity in something or someone. What happens when we lose that something? We actually start to lose our sense of value and worth and meaning and purpose. What, what about when that someone that we've put our identity in, and we all find our identity in something or someone? actually changes their mind about us some of us here in this room know the pain of that whether it's in a marriage a family a workplace a friendship you know the pain of someone that you've actually found significant identity in changing their mind about you it actually changes your sense of value meaning and purpose let me illustrate it just a little bit this morning as we start this series When I think about who am I, I could say, I'm a grandpa, which means I'm old and I've now got four adult children who don't have to do what they're told. They still call me Sarge because I like barking some orders at them, but they now choose whether they want to listen to those orders or not and there's nothing I can do about it. My role in the family has changed. So, if I'm finding all of my identity in my family, if I'm finding all of my identity in parenting, and parenting can become all consuming, you know, we, we can simply become the maker of lunches, the washer of, of clothes, the breastfeeder, the, the taxi driver, you know, the tidier of houses, the breadwinner. We can find all of our identity in our family. And it can feel really great when you're really appreciated for what you do. But you feel not so great when you're undervalued or underappreciated. You can actually find all of your identity in your family. I am a husband. I'm a father of four. I'm a grandfather of one, about to be two in the next few weeks. Exciting news coming up. But I'm a husband of one beautiful wife with no head. And <laughs> you can find all of your identity in your spouse, but it won't be good for your marriage. You know, you can you can come into a marriage wanting your spouse to you know, serve your needs and to give you worth and to make you feel good about yourself. But marriage will quickly become a misery when the other person in the marriage actually expects you to sacrifice your needs to serve their needs. And you can quickly lose that sense of value and meaning and worth and marriage will become a misery... I'm a husband, and I'm a four-wheel driver. (laughs) For 20 years, I've been driving a big, beefy Land Cruiser, big four-inch lift kit, bull bar on the front, big, fat tyres, you know, it kind of looks pretty mean and nasty and it could go anywhere. For 20 years, I've been driving this, you know, thing around and uh, I sold it to my son just a little while ago. He now drives it around and uh, I now lease a car with my role at uh, QB and when the lease car turns up, it wasn't a big, beefy Land Cruiser. It was a sporty little SUV. <laughs> and so I... <laughs> No, no, it's pretty funny. <laughs> I, uh, I, I pulled into the driveway next to my son, who's in his, four, his Land Cruiser about two foot higher than me, and he just gets out laughing his head off, and he goes, nice soccer mum car, mate. What have you been doing? Shopping and si- sipping lattes all day. I, I've been telling everyone I'm driving Susan's car around. Because apparently I find some of my identity in what I drive. And you can sit in judgment of me all you like. But you know that we can actually find our identity in our possessions. In what we drive, where we live, how we dress, what we earn, how much we earn. And when it's all going well and we've got a little bit more than the next person, we feel good about ourselves, but when it comes crashing down or someone you know, goes way beyond us, maybe we don't feel so good. It's getting a little bit personal now, but I am eight kilos overweight. When I'm 90 kilos, I feel fit and strong and I can run and I feel good. Right now, I'm 98 kilos and I feel it. And if you find your identity, I've just broken my scales, but if you find your identity in the way that you look, you'll feel good about yourself when the needle's in the right place or when the number on the tag on your clothes is getting smaller. You'll feel good about yourself, but when that dial keeps going round, 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 maybe not so good. Some of you are thinking more like 10 or 12 kilos. I'm telling you, the camera puts on five kilos. (laughs) I'm a pastor, and you don't need me to tell you that you can find your identity in what you do. I'm a pastor, I'm a business owner, I'm a tradie, I'm a a checkout chick, I'm a professional, I'm, I'm a doctor, I'm an entrepreneur. You know, whatever it might be, you can find your identity in what you do. And when you find, if you find your identity in your workplace, when you find success, it'll go to your head. And when you have failure, it'll attack your heart. You find your identity in what you do. And lastly, I'm a blues I'm a blue supporter. I was born in New South Wales. I'm starting to wish I was born in Ipswich. <laughs> but this is a little more serious. You can find your identity in your sufferings. <laughs> and I've suffered long and hard <laughs> living in Queensland. But you can find your identity in your sufferings. You know, once a victim, always a victim. I was treated like garbage, therefore I am garbage. You see, it it sounds good in our culture that you can choose your own identity, you can change your identity, until we, we actually lose the thing that we found our identity in. And sometimes you don't know what it is you're finding your identity in until you lose it. You, you lose your job. You lose your marriage. You lose your friendship. You lose your position. You lose your possessions. You lose your power. You, know, you lose your health. You, you lose what it is that you found your identity in and you have an identity crisis. And it's serious. When you have an identity crisis, you begin to lose value. You begin to lose your worth, your meaning, your your purpose. And I think we're living in a culture with an identity crisis. Now, once upon a time, you actually found your identity by the way that you sacrificed your needs to serve the greater good. The way that you sacrificed yourself for the good of your family or for the good of your nation or your tribe, you would go to war and you would find your identity in sacrificing yourself for the greater good. We live in a culture today that says you actually find your identity by asserting yourself, by asserting your needs, by asserting your uh, preferences and your perspectives onto the people around you. And it's creating an identity crisis in our culture. It's creating incredible pressure for people to find their authentic self and to live out their authentic self. It's creating polarisation in relationships as people are just not caring about the greater good but choosing just to assert themselves and, and their needs on everybody else. And when you lose the thing that you've you know, have decided to, you've chosen to, placed your identity in, when it changes, you kind of get lost. Lost value, worth, meaning and purpose. And as we unpack this book of Ephesians over the next six weeks, this is a letter written by a guy named Paul to a church in a city named Ephesus. Now, Ephesus is, we think long time ago, very different. There are a lot of different things. There's also some similarities. Ephesus is a big, wealthy, powerful, cosmopolitan city full of sexual immorality and drunkenness. It's not that different in some ways to the culture that we live in. And these new believers in this early church, they're first-generation Christians growing up in the Roman Empire where you had to declare that Caesar is Lord. And if you refused to declare that Caesar is Lord because you believed that Jesus was Lord, you lost something. You lost your job. You lost your position. You lost your possessions. You lost your home. People were losing their freedom. People are losing their wealth and they're having an identity crisis. And so Paul is writing to them. They're losing confidence in their faith and they're wanting to turn back to the way that they used to live. And Paul is writing to them to help them to understand that their identity is in Christ. In Christ you have the strength and the confidence to face every challenge and your identity is in Christ and it's unchanging. So let's open up to Ephesians chapter one. Love you to be bringing your paper Bibles if you can over the next six weeks. We're going to read through uh, these chapters today. Ephesians chapter one. It says, "Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ." Now let's take a breath here. All right, take a breath because the next 11 verses in the Greek is one sentence. Paul starts and he can't stop. He's so excited about this truth that he's sharing, he starts a sentence and he just can't stop for what's now 11 verses. All right? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Everybody say in Christ. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will to the praise of His glorious grace, which He now freely gives us in the one that He loves. In Him... We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen. Everyone say chosen. Everyone online just type Chosen. You need to remember that word today. We were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth through the gospel of your salvation, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Amen. End of sentence. All of that in the Greek is one sentence. Paul is just getting started and he can't stop. Paul makes it very clear right from the beginning of this letter that our identity is not something that we choose and it is not something that changes. I'm just going to really focus on, on, in on verse four. It says, "For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight." Praise God! Indeed, he chose us. If there's one sentence, I just want you to remember today, it's this: I am chosen in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. You are chosen in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. I don't know why PE teachers all over Australia thought it was a good idea for school kids to pick two captains, and then those captains choose their team. It was cruel when I was a kid, I, I, I'm glad we only did it in PE and sport, because I never got left to last in PE and sport, I don't think I was ever first, but I was never last. Any other subject, if they were picking teams, I would have been last. If it was music or art, I would have been left out altogether. Because kids, what, what they've done is they've watched their ability in the playground. They've watched what they're good at or not good at and they've chosen others, they've chosen their peers according to their ability. I just still remember, you know, nine and 10 years old, kids trembling as they get left to be chosen last or left out altogether. If you're a PE teacher in the room, I hope it's changed. It's a terrible idea. It starts in the playground, but it actually continues throughout our life, that we get rejected. We, when someone's got the ability to choose, they don't choose us, they actually reject us. And it's painful in the playground, it's painful in the workplace, it's painful in the marriage bed, it's painful in the family, it's painful in relationships. Rejection is painful. And it leaves a wound. And what I've found is that rejection does, when we're rejected by people and we carry that wound, it can become a root of bitterness and it infects all of our relationships And it can begin to diminish what we believe God will do for us. Begin to diminish our understanding of the way that God would want to bless us. It begins to diminish our identity before God. If we let that wound stay there. What Paul wants this church in Ephesus to understand right from the beginning of this letter is that they might be rejected by lots of people throughout their lives and they're being rejected by lots of people in the city of Ephesus or throughout the Roman Empire, but they haven't been rejected by the creator of the universe. He actually chose them and he chose you. Now Psalm 139 says you know, that uh, your picture was hanging on the wall when God created the world. You know, just this week, NASA released some photos of space that have never seen, been seen before by the human eye. I don't know if anyone enjoyed just looking at some of those photos during the week, but just this Tuesday, one of them is of uh, the, it's called it the Dancing Quintet. The Dancing Quintet of Five Galaxies. And what this scripture and other places in scripture is telling us is that Susan's picture was on the wall before God made a dancing quintet of galaxies. Her picture was on his wall. He'd already chosen to make her. He's chosen to invite her into the eternal dance, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, this woman can dance. I fell in love with her in the 80s. Every Sunday she would do a creative dance to an Amy Grant song. Who wants to see it next week? Bring back the 80s. You know, before before God created rivers to flow with life-giving water and bring healing to the nations, Lauren's picture was on his wall. He knew that he was going to pour his life and his love into her heart, and it was going to pour out of her heart to all of the young adults, you know, in our gateway community. Can you put your hands together for Pastor Laura Lucas and the blessing that she is? God chose her. Number four, mountains were put into place that would never move. Uh, stay faithful from generation to generation, he'd already chosen Neil and Gwen Wetzig. He'd already chosen them to stand firm through trials and temptations and to actually be a tower, a refuge for many when their lives were shaken. He'd already worked that out. He'd already chosen you. I could keep going around the room, but I'm not going to because some of you are getting nervous already. (laughs) But before God made a hive of bees to create something that tasted as sweet as honey, to work together to actually, you know, give sweetness to this world. He actually chose all of us to be part of his family here at Gateway to work together to actually bring the God flavors of this world into a community that desperately needs a taste of God's sweetness and God's grace. He'd already done it. He'd already chosen you, chosen us. You're the pinnacle of his creation Come on, say it with me. I am chosen. Come on in the chat to say, I am chosen. I'm chosen in God before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Before he made the galaxies, he actually chose you to be in his family. Verse 5, it says... This, it says, In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Really important just to look at the first two and the last three words in there. In love and pleasure and will. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship. They say you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. That's true, unless you're adopted. Adopted. If you're adopted, someone actually chose you. And this is what Paul wants them to understand. Adoption was not, it's not common in Australia today, very common in the Roman Empire. Lots of orphans were left orphans because of war and poverty and disease. And lots of fathers adopted sons because they would fulfill some of their needs. These adopted sons would help with their protection, protect the family farm. They'd fight for them. They would become a permanent workforce. They would perform the, 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 the duties of a son. And so it wasn't you know, just out of grace and mercy and compassion that fathers would adopt sons. There's often, there often something in it for them. But for whatever reason, For whatever motivated the father to adopt a son, once they were adopted, the adopted son received all of the same rights, all of the same blessings, all of the same inheritance as the natural son. And this is what Paul wants us to understand. God's not doing it because we can fulfill his needs. Our Father in heaven's not doing it because we've got something that we can perform, something that we can do that, that's you know, going to fulfill his needs. He's making it very clear. First two words, in love and his pleasure and will. He's doing it because he loves us. He's adopting us simply because he loves us and it makes him happy. It makes him happy that you're adopted into his family. And this is the bit we need to understand. I really want us to get a hold of in a new way this morning, that all of the blessings of heaven, which are Jesus, which belong to Jesus because of you know the natural position he has in the family, has been given to you through adoption. The same blessings, all of the blessings of heaven that belong to the Son have been given to you through adoption. And some of us here in this room, there's a rejection wound somewhere in our heart that actually makes it very difficult to believe that. And we need to move from a spirit of rejection to a spirit of adoption. Our heart's posture, our heart's position needs to, to move from a, a position of, of, of rejection, a position of poverty, of just scraping through, or a place of bitterness to a place of adoption and blessing and heaven being opened. So you are not chosen because of your performance but you are chosen to be holy and blameless in his sight. Now, we need to understand as we're reading this, uh, this letter that there was people in the church in Ephesus, in that city, just like people in this church in our city. All right, there was people struggling in their marriage. There was people struggling with their sexuality. There was people dealing with anxiety. There was people struggling with greed and drunkenness. There was wealthy people and poor people. There was people who had seen temple prostitutes in the past. There was people who had made big mistakes in the past. And there was people who tried to follow God's law all of their life and had failed sometimes. And from verse 1, right from the very beginning of the letter, Paul wants us, all people, all flawed individuals to understand something of our identity. Let's have a look at verse 1 again. It says, We often skip over the greetings, but it's really important for this series. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. He says, If you've got faith in Christ Jesus, you're holy. If you read it in the New King James, James, Uh, It says, to all of God's saints, to all the saints in Ephesus, faithful in Christ Jesus. Most of us are very aware that we're sinners, but we don't really think of ourselves as saints. We don't really see ourselves as being holy and blameless. And so what happens, whether it comes from a rejection wound or whether we're just Pharisees in need of healing or whether there's a bit of legalism you know, still you know, in our heart, we tend to measure. We tend to measure the blessings that God would want to give us according to our standard of goodness, according to our human standard of holiness. And so we kind of measure ourselves ourselves We measure ourselves and compare ourselves to others to determine our position before God, to determine, you know, how God sees us and what blessings He'd want to give us. And so we think of somebody like the Apostle Paul, and we think, well, he's a saint, you know, he's. He's memorised the first four books of the Bible. He's, he's obeyed 631 laws of the Old Testament. He sacrificed his life to plant churches and to share the gospel, you know, all over uh, the, the Roman Empire. This man is so saint-like that we call him a saint. We call him St. Paul, St. Paul's Cathedral. But he wasn't perfect. And so he doesn't go right to the top. He actually comes down a peg or two, Because he did murder a few Christians before he put his faith in Jesus. But we kind of think, yeah, of course, Paul's a saint. He's blessed. God would view him and his position pretty high on the tree. And we think somebody like Mother Teresa. And we think she's a saint. Actually, we now call her St. Teresa. But she's not quite up to Paul's standard of holiness. She did live in Calcutta her whole life and shared her life with the poor and cared for the dying. But she didn't write half the New Testament. I mean, she's obviously blessed by God, pretty high, God's standards. But she's a rung or two below Paul. What about another holy person? Pastor Susan. <laughs> now she's a fair way. Fair way, you know, up here. But uh, she's she's very holy. She prays every morning, reads the Bible every day, or listens to it in a car most of the time. But um, she's only memorized the first three books of the Bible. So she's a bit below Paul, and uh, she doesn't live on the streets of Calcutta. She lives in the lofty heights of Alexandra Hills. And so she's uh, pretty holy. She packs the dishwasher perfectly, but she's kind of a rung or two below Paul and Mother Teresa. And thankfully, we've got some people in the Bible like the thief on the cross. And we think, oh, thank goodness. (laughs) There's someone that I'm better than. You know, he had no redeeming value to his life that the community decided to crucify him. And my community hasn't yet decided I've got no redeeming value in my life, but somehow miraculously... thief on the cross made it to heaven he actually somehow scraped in to God's good books and when Jesus looked at him he said today you'll be in paradise with me and we kind of look at this kind of level of holiness and goodness to determine our position in Christ, to determine the kind of blessings that he'd want to give to us. So, you know, where does a broken, flawed individual like me fit on this scale? Well, I'd kind of like to think I'm up here somewhere, but Paul... Kind of planted a whole lot more churches than me. He's a lot more spiritual than me. Mother Teresa, I'm telling you, she's a heck of a lot kinder and more compassionate than me. And to be honest, I still haven't yet worked out how to pack the dishwasher very well. So even Pastor Susan is somewhere above me. Now, we don't... You kind of draw this little picture somewhere in our book to kind of work out what kind of blessings has God got for me, where am I at in the scale of holiness. But subconsciously in our minds, in our, the core of ourselves, in our identity, we kind of got this kind of picture in our heads depending on what I do as to how God will feel about me, how God will see me and how much you'll want to bless me. And sometimes it's actually about what others do. You're driving down the road last week and you see Pastor Susan get into an act of road rage, give some young punk the forks out the window, and and you've done nothing different but just seeing someone that you thought was up the tree, thinking, oh, maybe I'm a bit holier than I thought. The Apostle Paul made it very clear, it does not matter how many good things you do. You can never make your own way to heaven. You can never impress God. You can never get into his good books. In fact, there's nowhere in the Bible that God uses an analogy of a ladder like this to make our way to heaven, to make our way into God's good books. The only time we see a ladder is in right back in the Old Testament in Genesis 28, and the ladder is for messengers from heaven to come down to earth, you know, to give a broken, flawed individual, you know, like ourselves, a new understanding of their identity before God, the way God sees them and the way God wants to bless them. Now, we now live under a new covenant, and it wasn't a messenger who came down a ladder, you know, from heaven to earth, but it was God's very own son stepped down from the perfection of heaven into the brokenness of this world. And he actually took our place. He actually, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ actually took our place. He took the sin that we deserved. He took the death that we were going to die on the cross. He redeemed us. Verse 7, just put verse 7 up on the screen. In Him we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. God doesn't have an economy that you can make your way to heaven. His economy is the riches of His grace. He has given us His Son, Jesus. And if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are redeemed. Our sins have been paid for. We are forgiven. They've been wiped clean. And we are holy and blameless in His sight. The only reason you will ever be rejected by our Father in heaven is if you reject his Son, Jesus Christ, who is nailed to a cross for your sins. You're chosen in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And through adoption... You now have all of the blessings of heaven that came naturally to the Son if you're in Christ. You see, 15 times in the first couple of chapters of this book of Ephesians, Paul reminds us that we have a new identity and it's in Christ. And we all need reminding I think he does it over and over and over again because we all need reminding that our identity is in Christ because we continually try to find our identity in other things that change, other things that won't stand the test of time. Tim Keller says that the Bible says that our real problem is that every one of us is building our identity on something besides Jesus. Jesus. And when we try to find our identity in what we do, what we own, what we work, how we work, who we're married to, our position, our power, our wealth, the way we feel about ourselves will change. We'll get rejected at times, and it'll cause incredible pain. and it'll diminish our sense of worth and meaning, and it will diminish our faith. And so Paul is going to great lengths one big, long sentence to help us to understand your identity is in Christ, your identity is chosen, and your identity is unchanging. Verse 13 and 14 It says this, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal. A seal, something that means it can't be changed, it can't be repealed, it can't be broken. You are marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. When you put your faith in Christ, when you put your faith in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ on the cross, he seated you in the heavenly realms. He blessed you with every spiritual blessing. Your identity is now in Christ and he's given you his spirit as a seal to let you know that it's never going to change. You'll never be rejected. You'll never be repealed. And to give you strength and confidence to face every challenge in front of you. And so as Paul finishes this big long sentence declaring all of the blessings that we have in Christ. He finishes with a prayer. And uh, this prayer is is kind of my prayer for this next six weeks. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be opened and you'd understand the blessings that you have in Christ, the power that you have in Christ. This is what he says, verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, that's you. If you've got faith in Christ, that's you. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is involved, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed Him to be head over everything for the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. He says, I pray that you get this. The eyes of your heart might be opened You get what I've given you in Christ, what has been given to you in Christ. And that you might know as you surrender to Christ, you might know the working of his power in your life to give you confidence and strength to face every challenge and yet still to stand firm. Your identity, your meaning, your value, your purpose, unchanging in a changing world. I just believe God wants to Set some people free today, whether you're online or whether you're going to be down the front here in just a few moments. Set us free from some rejection wounds, some bitterness. Help us to understand that we are chosen. Come on, just say it one more time. I am chosen. Say it with me. I am chosen. It's an important truth. I believe God wants to help us take hold of it today. But just, just before we, we do that, we fin- f- sing our final song, I'd just love to pray for anyone and with anyone today who'd say, I, I, I'm kind of still stuck in this. I, I'm just thinking I've somehow got to make my way to heaven. I've never actually put my faith in Jesus Christ. And I couldn't say today that my identity is in Christ. I wouldn't say today that my faith is in Christ as Lord and Saviour. I'm just trying to be a good person. And today, you'd actually like to change that. You'd like to put your faith in Jesus Christ and have an identity that is certain, have a salvation that is certain, have an identity that's unchanging, a salvation that's unchanging. And you'd like to be part of a family of people who gather around you and help you as you do that journey. I'm just going to ask every eye to be closed, every head to be bowed this morning. And if you'd like to make that decision. You'd like to pray that prayer. Just while every eye is closed and every head is bowed, if you'd like to say, I want to put my faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour today. Can I, can I just get you to raise your hand wherever you are? If you're in the online, just push that button. Bless you. Who else today? Bless you. Up the back. Who else? Bless you. That's awesome. You can put your hand down once I've seen it. That's great. Who else today? Just say, that's that's the decision that I'm making. Just stick your hand up just for a second, just so I can see it. Does anyone else? Bless you, buddy. Bless you. Awesome. That's cool. Good man. Good man. Bless you, man. Good man. If you're online, just uh, just let us know in the chat there. If you're online or in the room, just pray with me. Why don't we all pray together? If this is your prayer, if this is a prayer you've prayed before or whether you're praying it for the first time today, let's, let's pray it all together. Come on, just speak it out today. Thank you, God, for your love for me. I'm sorry for the way I've sinned against you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place. I ask today that you would forgive my sins. And I choose today to follow you, Jesus, as Lord and Saviour of my life. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, can we just put our hands together this morning for those who prayed that prayer in the room online? Can I encourage you today, if that was you, please. Just go and let someone know at our welcome desk. Let one of the pastors know or the prayer team know down the front. We just love to help you get started in in following Jesus today. Come on, let's all stand together. If you're online, just let someone know in the chat that you prayed that prayer. But let's all stand together. I'm going to get our prayer team to come down the front. We're going to sing an old hymn which talks about finding our hope, our identity, our forgiveness, our redemption in Christ alone. As we sing this song, I just believe as some of us here, God's just wanting to heal a wound of rejection. It might be something that's really obvious in your life. You know it's there. It's become bitterness. It's diminishing the way that you understand your faith, the way that you walk with Jesus. It might be something that's just in your subconscious, but you know there's pain there. And it might be rejection. It might have been way back in the schoolyard. It might be in your family. It might be in the workplace. It might be in a marriage. Someone who should have loved you, actually pushed you away rather than drew you close. I just believe God wants to draw you close today. He wants to heal wounds. He wants to move you from a place of rejection to adoption just start to come as Mark leads us in this song just start to come just some blokes here they've got some father wounds it's a wound dad never told me he loved me been striving for my identity for years I don't know what it is for you just come just come and say today I want all the blessings I want every spiritual blessing in Christ I want nothing to hold me back anymore just start to come. Let someone pray for you. Mark and the team gonna lead us in singing. In Christ alone,
0: my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, Fair through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace? When fears are still and striving cease, my comforter, my all in all.
1: down the front here just come and join them if you just need someone to pray for you today but come on let's as a church family come on just just begin to pray for someone down here just you might know them by name you might not but come on I'm going to pray that you just get someone in your view someone you can just pray for today let's pray together that God just pours out his spirit does a healing work in hearts today Father God in this place I thank you that you are here. I thank you that you are moving. I thank you that you are healing. God, you are kind and compassionate. God, you are slow to anger and abounding in love. God, would you pour out your love in this place? Where where, where those are feeling the pain of not being loved by those that they expected it from, God, may you pour out an unexpected love extravagant love in this place this morning. God, fill hearts and minds with your love, with your truth. God, fill us with power to stand firm. God, where there's a lie that we've been believing, where there's a wound of rejection that we've allowed to fester and has become a root of bitterness. God, today, we just break that off in the name of Jesus by the blood of Jesus would you pour out your healing power in hearts and minds that there be fresh revelation of sonship of daughtership that we are your children that you chose us and you will never let us go God pour out pour out your blessing today in Jesus name Keep singing, Marky.
0: No guilt alive, no fear in life, in fear and death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final bliss.
1: That is our prayer over these next six weeks with these ancient words become alive in us. With this truth that is unchanging, shape our lives, shape our minds, shape our hearts and shape the story of our lives. That we would have a strength and a confidence in you, Lord Jesus. That would be unshakable, and we know He's unchanging. God, help us to take hold, to take hold of Your truth, and to stand firm in every blessing that You've given us in Christ. God bless this church, bless this beautiful family of people. God, thank You, thankfully for the privilege of being their pastor such a privilege God. God just trust him. Trust in the power of your word and the power of your spirit would we'll do a deep work in our hearts and minds over these next six weeks. that you would change us. change us more and more into your likeness. Help us to take hold of every blessing that you have for us. I ask it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. If you'd like prayer for anything at all, please come down the front and we just love to pray with you. Find someone to pray for today. If you put your faith in Christ today, come and let someone know. We really want to help you get started on that journey. Keep reading Ephesians. See you next week. We
0: hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to encourage you on your journey. Help us help you by going to gatewaybaptist.com.au and
1: clicking on Get Connected.